You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub. I am your host, Kathy Biasse, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we'd like to welcome you here on this lovely Tuesday. Good morning, Kathy. How are you doing? Keeping all right. Good. Nice here. and warm inside now. Nice and warm inside here in Toronto. We've had our first snowfall of the year, and we were actually, Alex called me last night. He said, if you can't make it in, we'll do everything remote. And today we have um, uh, our first live guest and oh, a number of shows. So I in was in terms of in studio, right? Uh, yeah, yeah of, of course, the in studio show. With right. a nice, oh no, we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it. And uh, our guest chef, Carlos. We talked to him, and he he uh, he said he'd do his very best, and we all made it in. So we're all here. It's going to be a great show, really exciting. Yes, it we, is. Yes, so our live show. We were. This is two weeks in a row. We're live today, and if you want to call in, if you're interested in asking Chef, myself, Alex, any questions, please do call in. Our number is four one six. 245-1534. Also, follow us on Instagram at the Health Hub RMC. We are on Facebook. You can email us. We're just everywhere. And we have lots of great information, updates on our shows, health information, little tidbits that we like to throw your way. So do follow us. We have some great stuff for you. So we are going to start off today with some foodie stuff. And I thought today, because we're talking about Christmas and cooking and everything, we might talk about one of the more common seasonings that we use, and Mm -hmm. that is salt. Wonderful. Yeah. Do you salt a lot in your cooking? I try to stay away from it, but it does help with the flavors for sure. It does. So um, I use it sparingly. Well, it's one of the most common seasonings, as I said, in our food. But uh, many people don't know that the processed salt that we commonly use, the iodized salt, uh, table salt, I guess it's called, Mm -hmm. really is devoid of a lot of nutrients that natural unrefined salts have, like a sea salt or a Himalayan salt. And these unrefined salts have trace minerals. They help with our hydration They help with our muscle movement. All very important things. You know, salt has been given a bad rap uh, recently. And salt is, like I said, it's not just for seasonings. It does have some very important functions within our body. It also has minerals like calcium and magnesium. So it's not something that we need to be devoid of in our diet. Mm -hmm. We, you know, certainly can introduce it. Everything, like I'd say all the time, everything in moderation. But try and grab those salts. You know, the Himalayan salt is the pink salts. Oftentimes you'll see it in chunks. They, uh, You know, most stores now have it in... um, grinders, which is what I use. So I think that's great. And then the sea salt is is similar to your table salt, but uh, as far as consistency and so forth. So, you know, (laughs) I use it mainly, I use it for some seasonings um, on meats and so forth. I I, I tend to go to the Himalayan salts. Um, 
I don't know why. Maybe it's a pretty pink color, but that's what I tend to go to. But for seasoning the water for pastas and so forth, I'll use the sea salt. So, you know, always looking for opportunities in your diet to try and kick up the nutrient value. And because we use salt so often, this is one good area for you to salt, uh, start with. So hopefully, a little tip for you. Hopefully you, you take that to heart and, and uh, run with it. So today's show is timely, of course. We're heading into the Christmas season, and we're going to talk about meal planning for Christmas, the Christmas dinner. We're going to cover all the common questions like per pound of turkey. All of these things are going to be coming at you. Chef's got a lot of great information for us, as well as lots of personal notes, and we're going to get onto that just after our break. But let me introduce you to him. Chef Carlos Cabello is, has been in food and dining. It's been an integral part of his life. Having a Spanish-Filipino background, the influence and fusion of both European and Asian cultures broadened Chef Carlos' taste, enthusiasm, and imagination for food. He knew from an early age that he wanted to cook. Chef Carlos trained in the UK and had opportunities to travel to some other parts of Europe, to experience cuisine firsthand. He worked in four countries, the UK, Philippines, Canada, and some stints in Hong Kong, before landing here in Toronto, where he was given the opportunity of ownership and partnership in the Substance Food Group. Currently, Chef Carlos is chef at the very successful restaurant, one of my favorites, Franco Bolo in Toronto, and heads up the catering division of Substance Food Group. So he's going to have a lot of great information for you after our break. So stay tuned with us. It's going to be a great show.
Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Again, we are live, so do give us a call at 416-245-1534 if you are interested in being a part of the show. And without further ado, let's welcome Chef Carlos to the show. Welcome and thank you for coming. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. And thank you for making the trek in. I know. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. I was, I was saying to, to you and Alex, my husband left an hour early and it took him almost as long to get down baby as it did to, to get down to the show here yeah. for me. So timing is everything, I think. That's right. It <laughs> is. And thank you for coming in live. It's so much nicer to talk to somebody face to face. It makes it makes it really pleasurable. And then Alex can see who's a... It's on the other end of the conversation. <laughs> it helps for sure. It does help for, for sure. sure. Alex, you can perk in with all your questions too. I know you're a budding chef, right? Oh, aspiring. Yeah. Aspiring. Like, <laughs> Not budding, aspiring. I like salt, Alex. He likes salt. <laughs> so chef, <laughs> let's start, talk. Right? It's a good start. Yeah, it's a good start. It's going to be a fun show, I think. Um, let's start with you off the top. We said, we found out, you know, in your bio that you wanted to cook from a, a young age, but who inspired you? You know, I was a I was a pretty uh, hefty kid when I was ten, and uh, we went to. I grew up in the Philippines, and I was in San Francisco uh, for a vacation. What year was this? Nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety. I forget. And um, I was staying with my aunt, and she had a nanny who worked in Italy, and she was Filipina, and uh, but she learned all the tricks. And, you know, and, you know, learning from nones and, you know, um, and she cooked for the very first time that I tried carbonara and mm-hmm. that, and I loved it. I finished a whole Pyrex dish, you know, and I was a big kid. So, <laughs> um, and ever since then I said, I said to myself, you know what, I could do this. Was it the sauce or the pasta? 
everything the whole you know and the whole combination and then when i got when i went back home to see to be with my with my parents and my family i said oh i'm, I'm gonna do this this should i learn in san francisco you know this this italian lady and she's like what's her name it goes to esther oh she's not italian she's filipina she's filipina and she made that for me and that inspired me and ever since then i i think my next venture was learn how to make fried rice something like that but nothing nothing italian about it but it was just you know stuff that made me feel like homey mm-hmm. um you know um you know having the european asian background so there's a yeah, lot to be that. said for comfort food for sure people knock that out of the park sometimes as saying that you know we need to do more complicated dishes and but there's a lot to be said for the for the comfort foods and i know carbs are getting a real rap but they <laughs> they really are they really are a staple in in our in our home you know, we, right. we love the carbs, but uh, in the pasta for sure, we're Italian background, so not so much rice. I guess that's more of an Asian mm-hmm. thing, but pasta we certainly like. You can eat pasta with rice if you wanted to. Pasta same, with rice? In the same plate, <laughs> you know, ask every Filipino, ask every Asian uh, person out there. <laughs> Put some noodles in there, some pasta, it'll be fine. And you'll be fine? Yeah. And you're not hungry two hours later? Probably will. Probably. Be, you know, have a little bit of tea and then you're good. <laughs> so do you think that you have... You know, is, I, I'm, I'm always, I, I don't, I'm not a great chef. I don't put things together. I, I know what I like and I, you know, I, I try in all bunch of different ingredients, but you know, I'm not a, a creator of meals. Do you have a palate that you think is, you know, exceptional that, that most chefs need to have? You know what, throughout the years of uh, working in the industry, um, you know, I, I guess growing up, I always had a, a, a sweet tooth. You know, and I and I like salt. You know, I uh, growing up, you you always put salt in most things, or soy sauce, or actually in the Far East, even though people use salt and a lot of that sea salt, um, there's a lot of like fish sauce products, soy products uh, brought in by the you know the Asian uh, influence. But um, I guess throughout the years, I've learned that. The Japanese word umami, that, that's what really uh, resonates in, uh, I guess, being a good chef. you got to put all those things together, all those notes, you know, like salty, briny, sweet, um, and even with just texture. You know, it just has to give you that nice balance of, that's why Thai food is very popular in a lot of places. Because it's got that saltiness, sweetness, the, the, the acidity from like the limes. Uh, it's all, hits all it's, places it, it, on it your tongue. You, exactly. You know, and uh, that for me, you know, not every dish has to be like that. You know, each and every, each, depending on the uh, the background of where you you take your inspiration out of. You put a dish out there, and if uh, you see, you say you think you have a a feature ingredient, so to speak. You know, like you you came into the restaurant the, mm-hmm. the one day, and you had the John Dory fish. You know, um, it's a very it's fairly meaty. It's it's uh, it's got its own little. Um, characteristic but uh i felt like something like that if you're going to an italian restaurant you want something a little bit more straightforward so a nice just nice olive oil sea salt a little bit of herbs and and lemon mm-hmm. uh, if you take that into a different uh if you take that fish into a, a filipino or a thai restaurant most people will probably either grill it or fry it and they will put like a sweet and sour sauce onto mm-hmm. it you know it's uh, yeah and so you know your crowd you you kind of have to yeah i mean uh, in in your uh if you're cooking for a certain crowd, then you, I, I think that's what, uh, I've developed that 
sort of like skill or just business sense, I guess, in that. So, so if you went to, if you moved on to a different type of restaurant, you would be able to adapt? I think so, yeah. uh, within reason, yeah. And now, now, what if you don't like something? What if you don't like a particular seasoning? Do you leave that out or do you still try and, and make that into something? Uh, for instance, uh, I don't know, coriander. A lot of people don't like coriander. Well, if, uh, if for you know what? As a chef, you gotta have to trust your gut, because if someone were to pay you to do it for them, mm-hmm. you know they're not gonna say like, "Oh, I wouldn't want to do that." You, you do what you do, and then you, <laughs> as a chef, you would hope that they would like it, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you know, you you kind of have to trust your gut on it. But then again, uh, at the restaurant scene. It's different um, in the sense that, you know, especially if you have patrons that always come back or new uh, new customers that say, you know what, I really don't like this ingredient. Mm -hmm. For the most part, like coriander is kind of like one of those herbs uh, or um, things, you know, ingredients. Either love or you hate it. Either love or you hate it. Uh, but you probably wouldn't say that in a, in a, in a Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. or you would expect that, you know, um, if you say like, you know what, I really like the taco, I really like the, the pico de gallo, but... Well, I guess I, I guess the way you cook is your brand as well. Yeah, no, so for sure. So I guess perhaps if you leave out particular ingredients or you highlight other ingredients, it's all about you. That's right. All right. It, it wouldn't be the same. You wouldn't probably, I guess, you wouldn't do justice to the dish if you wouldn't do that, you know? Fair enough. Coming in from like, uh, if you're uh, fresh off the boat, you know, type of... Uh, a worker. A lot of times, you want to do things safe because you know you you, you know you're easier on the salt, you're easier on mm-hmm. the seasonings that way. Because you're thinking the customers are going to add in if they want to. Right. You know, some people don't want to have to do anything. Some people don't want to have to work. They just want to just want to eat. You know. So uh, throughout the years, I've realized that you know it's the best thing is just to trust your gut. Fair enough. And where did you get your training? I uh, I went into a hotel school. Um, oh. It was called the International Hotel School, and that was, uh, I guess, my interests were uh, pretty broad. It wasn't like solely cooking per se. It was more. Uh, it was mostly the whole hospitality uh, background of and uh, having a restaurant. You know, I, I I wanted to open up a restaurant uh, when I was a young uh, kid. You know, and eventually, my my parents actually talked me into into it, and uh, they kind of and you know influence that sort of like in my mind they, they said that maybe eventually you'll have your own restaurant or you mm. want to do this you know i took business when i was in in university i'm sure it serves you well yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm sure it serves <laughs> no, you well it's now. for sure there, there's a reason to everything yeah it's not yeah. just about the cooking is it no <laughs> well you know the, the that's the fun part you know the cooking you kind of like even at home sometimes i'm just in, you're just in your own element I don't mind cooking for people. You have guests, and you know, I do that. You know, yeah. I don't mind doing dishes. I actually love doing dishes. I'm not the best at it. My wife would actually say that, but uh, it's okay but as I, long as you give it a shot. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd appreciate a I, shot in our house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, do you cook at home? I do. Um, so your wife, your wife's living the dream. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, yeah. I gotta say, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what got her. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. She's probably laughing right now if she's uh, listening to it. Appealing to the palate. That's what hooked her. What do you like to cook at home? What is your favorite dish? That, I think that's one of my favorite questions to ask the chef. Oh, that's that's really hard. Um, but the one thing that I always would, would always resonate to me and because of uh, my background, uh, my dad always, uh, my dad's Spanish. 
and so he uh in 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 his household we they always did spanish dishes and uh paella is one of is one of those you know like uh, timeless uh spanish classics and uh there's so many ways so many renditions um you go to eat uh, different regions in Spain, and they'll have their own uh, styles depending on what came off the land. You know, mm-hmm. could have been rabbit, could have been, could have been um, duck. You know, uh, a lot of times when you go to the seaside, uh, there's a lot of uh, seafood involved in it. It's That's a rice-based dish. Correct? It's a rice-based mm-hmm. dish. You know, and it's not like it's not quite like risotto where you, you stir in the rice um, so that you get all the starch. Uh, mixed into the dish and it's creamy it's velvety paella you gotta have to leave it you know it's and i what i love about it growing up is that if you have a paellera which is the pan the rice that sticks into the bottom is the best part it's got Mm. it's got it's got the the most flavor you know if it's burnt it's burnt that's a different story but when it sticks everybody fights over Over it over the sticky part i was down at um at the the brickworks have you ever been down to the yeah yeah, for sure and in the summer, I was there recently, but in the summertime, they have a man, he's got a paella dish. Uh, it, it's like, it's, I don't know how many, three feet wide, would it be? Oh, Something like that? Yeah, possibly. I think the whole appeal of that dish was so, you know, I went home and I Googled it and I thought, I got to get one of these things, but I need a good <laughs> recipe to do it. But it was just beautiful to watch this thing cook. And he was saying, you know, it's three hours. I just put it on. It's going to be, but my goodness, the smells. The, oh yeah. Well, that was, oh, I can understand why it'd be a dish that I, I guess you could do so many things with. It's one of those uh, dishes that um, it's fit for gathering. It's mm-hmm. fit for a, a cultural experience. Yeah. You, you go to the seaside and um, in any Spanish influence country. And um, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the dish a of choice. Of, it's dish yeah. of choice because everybody. You, you just know, take a spoonful, put it in a bowl, spoonful. Like a fiesta. Exactly. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Now we're gonna we're going to start leading the show into our our main topic here, which is putting together an awesome Christmas meal. So before we head to break, I want to sort of lay out the kitchen for people. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say are pantry essentials in order to creating, let's say, to creating a Christmas dish? And maybe you could also say essential utensils. So let's lay out everyone's kitchen before we go to break. Okay. Um, well, I'll take it from what we do at home. You know, um, we don't do turkey during Christmas. We do some roasts. Mm-hmm. You know, but then again, uh, we do turkey uh, during Thanksgiving. So I guess it it it's close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I got a big roaster. Or a decent sized roaster, depending on how many guests I'm going to have. A real so, one or one of the aluminum foil ones. You can do the aluminum foil ones too. Okay. That's there's no harm. There's no there's no judgment there. It, a lot of times it's it's easier that way because it's it's big enough. Um, if you find that it's too thin, you double it up because sometimes sometimes when you when you double it up, then you have a better base and it doesn't like stick too much in yeah, you know like in the bottom you know that. or you have you have a little bit of a grate uh yeah, yeah. you know so that it doesn't stick to the, the pan or you know what what i've found also is uh you put some vegetables underneath like uh what in, in french you call it mirepoix which is okay. onions garlic uh not onion not garlic onion celery but whatever whatever you want to put to sit it up to sit it up okay. and, and then it then uh it doesn't burn you know and then okay so pantry essentials i uh 
I like salt, so I, I have a few different types of salts. Um, kosher salt is the most popular out there, and it's easier. It's easier to the touch, you know, uh, as a professional chef. Oh, it's easier okay. to to sprinkle. I guess it's easier for my measure in my fingers. Okay. You know? But then again, I have finishing salts. I think you can, you can get that in, a, in any gourmet store. You can get it at Winners. You can get it at Home Sense. A finishing salt. A finishing salt. Okay. And like you were talking about earlier on, um, some of them come in shakers. Mm-hmm. Some of them come in, um, you know, in, uh, not in a shaker. You can get it from, you can get it from Costco mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Himalayan salts. Some of them are flavored salts with basil or uh, oh, nice. or uh, smoked salts. There, there's so many out there now. Okay. And pepper. I like pepper. For, um, you know, the best thing to do is just have a pepper mill, you know, because yeah. then again, it's freshly ground, yep. you know. But there's no harm using, you know, the cracked or the powder. I don't like powdered as much. Okay. So simple seasonings. Or ground, se- simple seasonings. Um, I like herbs uh, such as, you know, during the summer, um, I have an herb patch in, in the in, in the backyard, so you know uh, that's easy. But sage always goes well with turkey. Mm. A little bit of rosemary, a little bit of thyme, um, some savory if you have. But sage is resilient. You know, my sage in the backyard on, right now it's covered in snow, but uh, you know it's it's still good. Oh, okay. um, so I use that. And uh, okay, what else? A turkey baster if you wanted to. And, uh, some people have syringes. I don't know if you want to have a syringe at home, but because I find when you do something like a, a turkey, it's something, a, a huge chunk of meat, you know, whether it's a turkey or a, a big roast, it's good to brine things. Okay. Right? Brining is a trick. Now, sometimes you don't have the space to brine a turkey in your fridge because mm-hmm. you have to put it in a pot or in a big uh, bucket, so okay. to speak. You got to submerge it. So having a little bit of a, having a, a syringe, or a baster to get through in the meat is good. And what's a brine? You know, a sugar salt mixture, put some spices in there. Bay leaf is a good uh, good spice, some cloves. Oh, we're gonna um, come back to that because I, I have heard, I've never done it myself. Okay. So after the break, um, I'm gonna put you on the spot and ask for a brine recipe okay, that people that. can use. So when we get back, we're gonna headlong into our Christmas meal. We'll be right back, everybody. Just try when you kiss your little. 
Listening to the Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As just mentioned, you can call in and talk to Chef if you have any questions that uh, you need answered before the holiday season. Also, follow us on Instagram at the Health Hub RMC. You can tweet at me personally at Kathy underscore Biase. You can find us on Facebook. And if you'd like to email us, we are at thh at radiomaria.ca. We are all over the place, so there's no reason that you can't get in touch with us. So do feel free to contact us. Before break, I had to cut Chef off. So he's going to give you a quick recipe for a brine and tell you why that's important or what it does to the flavor of the food and finish off with his um, kitchen essentials. And then we're going to get into meal planning. Go ahead, Chef. Okay. Um, you know what? For, for turkey um, or, any, or any like wider meat, pork, uh, for the non-pork eaters, turkey's good, I mean, there's even just chicken. The only thing is that when you do a brine, you got to submerge the meat into in it. Um, oh. So, uh, especially if you're putting it in a bucket. But then again, if you're doing an injection, so to speak, I always go. Um, some people, the basic you inject brine, the brine. You 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 because the brine's a liquid, right? Um, but it's it's basically salt and sugar, and liquid and whatever spices you sort of like uh, try to put in there but if you and obviously when you have whole spices you'll be able to inject it mm-hmm. so you gotta be able to melt all all that all those minerals so the meaning that the salt and the, and the sugar into it into a liquid form and then you inject it into the into the meat into the meaty parts obviously of uh, of the bird um a lot of times if you don't want to use too much sugar um i.e like white sugar get different types of juices you know so mm-hmm. you can get a pineapple juice or apple juice work works very well or even if you just want to use like ginger ale is good okay. you know and the purpose of the brine is that for tenderizing or flavor or both i think you know but because that way you you would have injected you would have already put in the flavor in it uh prior to cooking mm-hmm. so it stays locked in okay and the meat okay. um what what you know depending on what it is it could, could be 50 50 um sh- uh, sugar and salt mixture and um let's say if you have four liters of the mixture it's you know five 50 ml 
I see in the restaurant we always have like different deli containers or plastic oh, containers. So you don't like measure. Either, You're you one know. of those guys. I'm one okay. of those guys. I don't. I really don't measure. There are lots of recipes purpose. online, yeah. I guess. And but as know. long as you have those basics, that's 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 what, right. So the, the sweet and the salty. And do you need sort of an acid in there? You can. You can. If you want not to, necessary. But though. if you if you had different types of like citrus in there, uh, if you wanted to put it in, you can. So if you're doing this uh, ahead of time in a bucket, right? How long? Well, that takes some time, depending how big your bird is. You know, let's say if it's a 15-pound bird, you know, some people brine it for eight hours. Some people brine it for, like, overnight. Oh, okay. You know, or if you if you just, you know, don't have that much time, then just for a couple of hours. Uh, you know, like, if, you, if you're serving at five, for sake of argument, you know, I would start getting it ready for 12. You know, okay. that way you have it. And then you can, you can do all your last few bits, you know, I guess... Whatever, yeah, okay. So, yeah. you know, anything's better than nothing, I guess, no, right? For, <laughs> because, you know, sure. a lot of us, like me, I have Christmas Eve at my house, and then we have Christmas Day. So um, to be able to just do the injection, like you said, it might be a little easier process than to go through, and just carrying that thing up the stairs. Anyway, oh, so, yeah, yeah. I, I think, so, well, there you have it anyways. That's another idea. It's something I've never done, so I may give that a shot. Now, just quickly over what might be necessary to, to cook a, a turkey um, kitchen essentials so I guess a thermometer a thermometer is good um, something that obviously you know long enough so that you gotta see I always do it in two different areas of the bird just to, to be on the safe side I do it on the leg part where you see the uh, the thick the thick part of the thigh mm-hmm. and then you do it also on, on the from the very top going down from because uh, you I would assume that more, or I shouldn't say that, but when I when I cook the turkey, I put the breast side up. You put it up. Yeah. Do you flip it? If you if you, if you're able to, and I I do because I'm able to. Yeah. Um, that way you have you get a good browning on the on the on the backside, mm-hmm. because then if you if your backside's you know the backside's underneath. How many then, how many um, what's what do you cook it at? I just cook it at three fifty, or sometimes three seventy five, four hundred, depending on how how rushed you are. Oh, so um, okay. You know, a lot uh, of times per pound. How much? How much time per pound? You know, I, I in, in last Thanksgiving I did a fifteen pound bird. I did it for like two and a half hours. You can, you could, you could very well put foil, aluminum foil on the top for the first hour, right? And it steams it, but in effect because you close it or you poke a little a few holes that way you know there the steam sort of like comes out mm-hmm. the, the problem is when you put stuff like that then you start to, the likelihood of the skin tearing oh. from the bird you know increases increases okay. you know and then you won't have a, a very good looking bird okay stuffing right? in or stuffing out i put stuffing out I don't put it in. You don't put it in. I don't put it in because then it messes around with your time. Uh, Okay, so it It messes around your word time. I notoriously, the outside of my bird is cooked well, and as I go in toward it, it's not cooked. I don't know if it's the oven. I don't know. I think I've tried everything, so I'm. It's a running standing joke. I put a lot of uh, butter on the outside of it. Since I'm a a chef, I put a lot of. You can actually run your fingers through the skin in between the skin and the meat. So you can put a few sage leaves. If you run your fingers from, let's say, from the breast part, yeah, and lift up the skin without having it won't tear because it's very resilient. There's there's space there. There's a gap 
then you can put some butter and you can put your seasonings through it. That way it, it comes down and you put some a few sage leaves. Oh, you don't or, put that right over top of the skin? You Well, you, you do. But you do, the same, and then you can and, also put and it inside. Put, and, and, yeah, in between the skin and the meat. Uh, That's okay. one trick. Mike? My family's going to rock Christmas this year. We're gonna, it's going to be great. Okay, because I never have two things that I had never thought of yeah. before. So then, okay, let's just continue on this trend. What do you put in your stuffing? Or do you do stuffing? I do. Okay. Um, I like sausage. Mm-hmm. You know, if for, for the non-pork eaters, you can get a turkey sausage. You can get chicken sausage. Um, uh, I, I blitz that up. Or if you can get um, a mixture that's off the casing, then better. Then that way... So I incorporate that. I like a lot of onions, some sage. Um, you can, I can use cornbread, or you can use leftover uh, white bread. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sometimes best to to toast it first, like okay. you're making croutons, you know. Or if you have croutons from a bag or from a pack or from Costco, whatever, mm-hmm. chuck it in there. Um, then I use some dried cranberries. I put through it. Um, if you and then chicken stock, you mm-hmm. can buy the chicken stock. You can make it if you if you have bouillon cues, you know, go ahead. Um, you just have to incorporate all that flavor in there. And then what I do because I make this in advance, oh. so I I make that mixture, then I roll it. That way, I can save it in the fridge. Roll it in, and what? I roll it in uh, in uh, saran wrap. So I make like a log, and I roll it that way. That way, I can just cut it. It becomes like a sausage per se. Uh-huh. And then, then, then I and I and I slice and I present it in a in a, in a big platter. Um, oh, that's just because for presentation, it looks a little bit more professional. Okay, so there's a trick. Yeah. But when have you cooked it? Well, what part have you cooked? Like when are you so, cooking it? Well, basically, so you, you cook the so- you you. So this you, is after you've cooked it. You're rolling it. That's right. Okay. Right. That's All right. right. All right. So you can do that. You or or you know what. If you're doing it from raw, you put all those ingredients together, you roll it, and you make like, uh, you, you roll it in saran wrap or in foil, parchment, then foil. You got to bake it, though. That okay. way it all, then it cooks. Then it, it actually adheres better together. So you bake it. You bake it in this foil roll. Yeah. Interesting. You know. So can you prepare that a few days ahead of hand? You can. You know, that way you, you have it, you know. And whatever drippings you have from, from, from roasting the bird, you know. You can add it onto it when it it's done. It. Yeah. So there's one big tip. So now we're on to three tips. This is already great. What else do you put around your, your, you know, the main course is obviously the turkey. So what else would you put around as far as veggies do, and stuff? We do mushrooms. We do squash. Um, uh, Brussels sprouts mm-hmm. are, are very common. My, <laughs> my wife's family calls it, uh, they, they call Brussels sprouts Ninja Turtle eyeballs. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Ninja Turtle <laughs> you eyeballs. You have kids in the house, I assume. Yeah. Yeah, when they were growing up, they because it's green, mm-hmm. I guess you know, and Brussels. But you know what's what's really good right now? A lot of a lot of uh, gastro pubs out there, even restaurants, they do crispy Brussels sprouts. Yeah, you know, instead of just like the traditional steam roast and it's bitter, it's smelly. You know, you, you can you you can. Use I didn't all like Brussels sprouts them. until I had them that way. Yeah, crispy to be, Brussels to sprouts. To be honest, and I like it with a little bit of lemon zest, a little bit of honey. Um, I like bacon, so I, I'll, I'll crisp up some bacon. I'll cook bacon, bacon, and I'll roast it. I'll roast the Brussels sprouts along with the cooked bacon together. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not a, a pork eater, you can. There are a lot. There are other alternatives. So let's let's talk about how far in advance you would recommend planning your meal. Um, 
we have a large family, so we have, well, I, I think it's large. We have 20 people for dinner, approximately. Mm-hmm. So how far in advance would you start planning your meal? I mean, start like Start like cooking. putting, no, well, that too, but like actually thinking about the ingredients and, and, and how to put the meal together. When should we start thinking about I mean, about in that? reality, if, you, if you're, you know, a day, a day in advance, if you have, if you're able to get oh. all the ingredients, it's good. <laughs> But then again, like that's, I guess for me, you know, I've learned this from my wife too. Like that's when, a professional chef. That's a professional yeah. chef. But but then again, if you're grabbing all these things, you know, what I learned from my wife um, because she's just doing it. She, she does, she cooks at home sometimes. And actually she's been cooking a lot. She'll think about the ingredients or look at what she has in the fridge. And then she'll base a recipe out of that instead of the other way around. Mm, okay. Okay, but so let's say you want to stick to a certain recipe for a stuffing, you know. Well, fair enough. If you're getting the bird, and uh, if it's a fresh bird, it's a fresh bird. You should you should get it closer to the date. If you have it in the freezer, I would take I would take it out two three days mm-hmm. ahead of time. That way, it, it slowly thaws, right? But then again, you got to open up. You got to see you know you know what's in there. The 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 uh, you know, the, innards. the innards are in there, something the next in there, you know, so you gotta, but you know, all those, those are very flavorful. You don't have to throw them. You can, you can put them as part of your gravy per se. Okay. I use them for right. soup. I'm not sure if I'm brave soup, enough to stick right? them in my gravy. But, um, for those people, because sometimes people, some, some people like, uh, you know, that, that, that sort of like touch and you. People yeah. don't even have to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. You know? Now, so you've got the heavy with the stuffing and the, you know, traditionally we're thinking mashed potatoes, stuffing, mm-hmm. turkey. Do you want a bit of lightness with we, your meal? We, we do a little bit of rice. Um, you can do just plain steamed rice. Or you can do a pilaf. Um, I like wild rice with it too. It's got a nutty Instead of nutty, the potatoes. Yeah. So it's a got change a nutty up. flavor. Um, instead of the potatoes, sometimes we just do like different types of roast veg. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's still hearty. Parsnip's good, um, squash, mm-hmm. rutabaga, uh, you know, it's also pretty good. Okay. I, I, uh, I train in the UK, rutabaga they call uh, uh, neeps. Neeps. Yeah. I've never and cooked suede, a rutabaga. Yeah, so it's, it's one of those things, yeah. Shameful, I know, but I've never cooked one. Okay, <laughs> so you got your main course set out. Now, what about a nice cocktail before we get into dinner? You know, hopefully people have come over and you're not just racing to the table. So do you have a just a couple of quick ideas for non-alcoholic and alcoholic cocktails to start the night off? You know what? Um, we, I like peach. Mm. And uh, I like passion fruit too. So you know, passion fruit, you know, normally you don't always get. But if you can get yourself, uh, you know, a passion fruit, puree or frozen passion fruit i like that you open a a, a a bottle of bubbly a little bit of that you know a splash of cranberry juice and a that, little bit of puree yeah cranberry puree, juice and then and, and bubbly nice um and for the kids for the kids we normally do egg there's always eggnog eggnog too yes you know there's always eggnog home. i spike it I me mean, for me and christina i spike it with a little bit of rum and uh, or uh or, or brandy or mm-hmm. whatever you have in there or cuantro you put a little bit of cuantro oh, nice, or yeah. disaronio it's it's good it's good um but charlie my my four-year-old you know anything with chocolate and mint you know um it, you know he loves it. If you put a little bit of a mint peppermint syrup uh, on an eggnog, he'll love oh, it. Nice. You know, a little chocolate sprinkle. He's good to go. Marshmallow. 
There you go. There you go. <laughs> Eggnog could be a little filling before a big meal, though. I know, the only but thing. yeah, that's true. But it's pretty good. It's hearty. Oh, you know what? Mulled, mulled cider is, uh, mulled wine is good. Hot cider. Um, Charlie loves hot cider. Do you Not make the your alcohol. own? You can. Yeah. Yeah. Mulled wine. I, I, that's one of my, probably my, my most favorite things, you know, around about that time because it's cold out. Yeah. It's very homey. And, and in the UK when I was there, it's mulled wine. So what is the basis of the of the mulled wine? It's red wine for the a, a most part. A particular type of red wine? Or? <sighs> you know what? Is one better than the other? I think Merlot is what I've had the most. Yeah. And then um, what do you put in, in the mulled wine? I've never made that. Sugar. Sugar? Sugar for sure. Um, some spices. Cinnamon, clove. All the, all the, all the Christmassy spices. Mm-hmm. Um, and are you heating that to a boil or just to, no, to warm just it? No, just to warm it. But you gotta you gotta let it infuse. So you gotta let it steep, per se. You know, so you know for fifteen twenty minutes, let let it come together. Because if because if you put it if you boil it, then all the alcohol is gonna evaporate. Not, not all, but a lot of it's gonna evaporate. And what's the point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. <laughs> so this isn't a drink for the kids. No. <laughs> Actually. Um, I was I was reading some article because I I've just you know thinking of the smells that would be infused in the house with with the mulled wine and just a little uh, an aside I thought it was a great tip that somebody had they they put their crock pot on the counter and they fill it with uh, a little bit of water and then they throw in cinnamon and right. orange and they just they just let that infuse throughout the house and and I'm just you know thinking of the mulled wine it would do the same idea so that's just a, an aside thing I thought I might just share with you it's not a cooking tip or anything but uh just thinking of, of, you know, when you walk into a house, the smells, right. you know, they, they bring back. Orange is good. You yeah. Know, for sure. And, you know, you, you have your, your own traditions. Now, are, are you and your wife of the same cultural background? No. Um, I'm Spanish Filipino. My wife's uh, Chinese Italian. So there's there are four cultures at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my kids are, are truly Canadian. Um, so The melting pot family. The melting pot family. There you yeah. go. Each and every grandparent has a specific name. Um, and the Christmas season is, is busy for the family. And then the 23rd, we, we see one side. The 24th, we see my, my, my mom's side. Mm-hmm. The 25th, we do just, you know, yeah. our immediate family. And then we go see Nona for... for Where does for Nona sp- fit in into your family? On the 25th. No, but who... How oh, is- Nona. Oh, my, my, my wife's uh, dad is Sicilian. Okay. All right. So then how do you, a lot of people have different cultures that they're dealing with at Christmas. How do you bring them all together? So if, if you don't have the ability to go the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th, you just sort of get a different dish from each culture, or do you suggest people bring a dish to help with, uh, with the meal? How do you meld all these cultures together? Oh, we don't have, well, we don't have a theme like in some, like in the Filipinos my my Filipino family it's it's potluck you know who you can bring whatever you want to bring mm-hmm. on the Chinese side we normally do a, a hot pot um, so that's that um, when we go to Nona's it's you know it's fairly it's fairly traditional espresso um, Italian pastries Italian goodies mm-hmm. and stuff like that so it's fairly it's fairly traditional it's simple but actually do your kids have a favorite. Culture, or is that you don't want to even broach that no, subject with people no. listening? They, they, they my, like it all. Charlie loves pasta. Charlie mm-hmm. loves pizza. Mm-hmm. Charlie loves noodles. Charlie loves like Charlie uh, likes carbs. Charlie likes carbs. <laughs> He's not a big. He likes crispy chicken. 
So if you do like a, a scallopini, or, yeah, he loves that. He loves that too. You know, bread stuff. So let's let's talk about maybe you can give us a couple of ideas for wine pairings if you're going with a white meat. White wine? You know, what, what, my partner, Michael, I would, I would always remember this. He, he always says, uh, mood before food. That, that that's his thing you know now, nowadays you uh it's what you feel like you want to drink and then you look at the menus like oh i want to eat that too but okay. then again you know you know there there aren't any rules as, as far as i know okay um you know depending on how i feel like how well that, I, it's true you know, you know like uh, the red meat that was always the heavier wine right but for someone, uh, and I'm not just saying it's a male female thing. If you're having a heavy meat, you might want a lighter wine, perhaps. Right. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. It just two heavies maybe not be. But again, mm-hmm. it, it is it is the palate, and and for wine, you could have. You know, I don't say you. I if I didn't know the price of a wine, I could probably like a, a less an expensive <laughs> bottle as much as a as a very expensive bottle of wine. So it is. And I think it's also your mood, like he That's said, right. the, yeah. the mood and the festivities, and um, and maybe um, my husband likes a prosecco. No, that's what I'm just gonna say. Like you know, I always like something bubbly or something lighter to start me off mm-hmm. and get me into the mood, or uh, or just a gin and tonic for sake of argument. That, that that's it's not wine, but it's it's, it's something. It's something. And then I gr- I'll gradually move into a heavier. Uh, uh, beverage, uh, you know, and or heavier uh, red. Yeah, I don't like. Per- I personally don't like heavy, heavy stuff. Okay, you know, like uh, so. There, that's a know, personal preference, that's a personal right preference, there. Personal preference, right? Um, but depending on what I like, you said, you know, if I'm if if, I, if I'm having a stew and it's already heavy and hearty, you might want something lighter. Uh, yeah, I want some something lighter. One right? of my one of my uh, the, the romantic drink I like to call it is uh, the prosecco with a, a little raspberry in yeah. it. I love that. I think that's just so Christmassy. You're a cranberry, I guess that's you right. could do around Christmas time. And we're pushing against the clock as always. What about wrapping it up with um, a quick dessert? You know what? I grew up. Uh, sorry, I grew up. I oh, I do a mean bread pudding. Nice. And, you know, and one of my dad's some, favorites. And uh, a traditional uh, British bread uh, bread pudding is one of my favorites. In um, just plain cinnamon sugar uh, bread pudding and mm-hmm. a little bit of vanilla. But then again, I've also I've also spiked it up with uh, you know ever since I met my wife and there Nutella's always been uh, yeah. uh, a thing at home too. Yeah. So Nutella and banana bread pudding, you can do that, or pecans and brown sugar or maple and this and that. But bread pudding, it's hearty. Yeah, it's rich, and it just hits the spot for me. And it's simple. It's something that's so homey. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a very big. I I can bake, but I'm not a baker. My wife loves to do pies. Mm. She she actually does the desserts at home. So She's you a could pie oh, maker. well, they have pies, pastries, yeah. whatever you feel like. So you're you know basically whatever you feel like, I guess, for dessert. And hopefully you're not too hungry for it, anyways. <laughs> but um, uh, the bread pudding you can have uh, the next day too as a that's great right. leftover. You know, and it soaks whatever. And, and it you, soaks. You you know uh, make make some uh, make a custard, pour it on top, a creme anglaise, or even if you have a chocolate sauce or any other caramel sauce, whatever you want. Nice. Well, thank you, you know, so much for all the resilient. the great ideas. So we're wrapping it up here. Give us one. Big tip that you can, you know, aspiring chefs or people who are just trying to put a great meal together, something along the lines that we've talked about, presentation or whatever. We'd actually never got to presentation. No. So, that's, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So, maybe give us one bang on tip that we can take as we end the show. You know what? I, I always just say trust your gut. Um, if you really feel like 
okay, there are people that would would have to look at a recipe and follow it. And if that's how you your brain works or your mind works, then then do so. But you got to trust it. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times you got to deviate a little bit, but uh, you got to love what you're doing and, and you taste as you go. Fair enough. Taste as you go. Except the raw food, but taste as you go. Try to imagine how, what it would taste like, you know. And if you don't think, if you feel that you're you're putting too much salt, you don't like it too salty, then you, you can be a little bit safe, mm-hmm. you know. And then because you can't take out, you can add in. You yeah. can't take out. It's 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 those things. Um, tasting is important. Tasting is important. You know, e- even at the restaurant, you know, you're putting something out. And you think that you've done it a, a thousand times, but you know what. Things could happen. Every dish is different. Every dish is different. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming into the studio. You're welcome. My pleasure. Very informative. Again, if you would like to reach us or have us reach out to Chef Carlos, you can email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. Thank you for joining us, everyone, on Tuesday. And we will be back next week with our final show of the year on The Health Hub. Listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.